Phil Holloway, thanks for your time this morning. Oh, great to be here. Thanks, thanks for having me. You know, I, I like to uh, start with these things always with uh, the facts, in particular as we know them now. Granted, we don't know all the facts. We've just seen some videos here and there. But actually, with this particular case, we have seen uh, more than just one video. We've seen several videos that have been out there in social media and in the press. Yeah, but also, we need to look at law. And the law in, uh, in the United States and in Georgia requires that prosecutors, when they look at these things, and in fact, courts, if they get into court and these things are adjudicated, either on the civil or the criminal side, the law requires that courts and, and prosecutors evaluate these cases in terms of reasonableness. And it starts on the federal level with uh, something called objective reasonableness. The Supreme Court gives us that test, but the Supreme Court goes on to tell us that it doesn't stop there, that reasonableness is, is viewed not from the um, safety of the a Monday morning armchair, right? So, that, so that we, we, we're supposed to look at this with a 2020 lens of, uh, of hindsight. You can't do that. The Supreme Court says that these things need to be looked at uh, through the eyes of the officer, from, from the officer, from his or her perspective on scene. And, you know, what we see in these videos, the scene that, that, that we are presented with, if we're looking through the eyes of the officer, is oftentimes traumatic, it's violent, it's changing. The officers don't always have uh, all the information that we may have a few days later or even a few hours later about who the person is that we're dealing with. So the, the law takes this into, into account and understands that uh, officers are oftentimes forced with making decisions with, under not the best circumstances. So the question of what is reasonable is what is reasonable at the time with, with what they know and through their eyes. Now, which speaks to why it's so difficult, Phil Holloway, and so rare here in Georgia or elsewhere when law enforcement officers are successfully prosecuted in these types of cases. Now, that said, let, let's talk about what we see specifically. Uh First of all, and not many people are talking about this, I'm led to understand the interaction between law enforcement and, and Mr. Brooks actually lasted a good bit of time here, 15, 20 minutes before the confrontation, like 40, physical confrontation. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a sustained and complete DUI investigation, right. Okay, and then we see him at some point uh, begin to get physical with the law enforcement officers, some grappling to the point uh, of, of law enforcement officers, two of them being overpowered, taser taken. Okay, now he is armed uh, with a non-lethal weapon, but armed nonetheless. What does the law say about uh, the law enforcement response at that moment? Well, I'm not going to concede the point that the taser is a non-lethal weapon. In fact, the DA in Fulton County, Paul Howard, who may or may not understand uh, this objective reasonableness test. He has recently charged Atlanta officers uh, maybe like a week ago uh, with aggravated assault because they tased somebody, and the aggravated assault law says that if you assault someone with a, d a deadly weapon, that's aggravated assault. So he's, he's essentially charged them with that kind of aggravated assault on the grounds that he says a taser is a deadly weapon. But we could have that debate about, about a taser. The bottom line is that it's going to be difficult to sustain a prosecution because, look, with respect to that taser, uh, if if an officer gets tased and they're incapacitated and somebody then takes their weapon, then the entire uh, public that may be nearby is at danger. Okay, they, This is somebody who the law recognizes is potentially subject to being used, to having lethal force used on them. The law actually says in Georgia 
that, uh, in fact, Peace Officer Standards and Training Council, I, I pulled something yesterday for a TV interview. I'm reading directly from their uh, their training. And this is training that I go through every year as well because I take this, this uh, annual deadly force and de-escalation training that's actually currently required in Georgia. Uh, it says that somebody can, uh, an officer can use deadly force if a subject uh, possesses a deadly weapon or if the subject poses an immediate threat of physical violence to the officer or others or if they've been involved in a crime uh, involving the infliction or threatened infliction of serious physical harm. So I think arguably all those boxes are checked here, not just one, which is required, particularly the second one, uh, an immediate threat of physical violence to the officer or others. So this is a, if you look at all the videos, you'll see that Mr. Brooks, I think, arguably committed a robbery when he snatched the taser from the officer's hands. Um, and I think that arguably when he fired that taser at the officer, that's felony obstruction of an officer by offering or doing violence. And so, and, and prior to that, you could see a, a very physical altercation on the ground where he was fighting very aggressively with two officers. At one point, he was even on top and throwing, throwing uh, fists, right? So I think you can make a fair argument that he posed an immediate threat of physical violence to the officer or to others under all those circumstances. And keep in mind, we've we got to look at the totality of the circumstances. So I think you could make an argument that lethal force under Georgia law and as trained to officers through the uh, mandatory post-training, I think you could make an argument that uh, lethal force was, was in fact authorized. Now, people make a big deal about, okay, he was shot in the back. Well, we haven't we haven't seen the autopsy photos. We don't know if it's exactly where the, the shots went. Well, let me stop right? you there. What if what if it were determined that, in fact, the fatal wounds were, were, were to the back? He was shot well, in the back. I know that's a big deal in movies. Is that a big deal in courts? It's in pop culture, right? It, it doesn't have any basis in law. There's nothing that says that when, when lethal force is authorized, lethal force can only be to the front of the body. That's, that's nonsense. That's non-existent in the law. But here's the thing. We, we We've seen on the video that he was firing over his shoulder. He, Brooks fired the taser towards the officer, and he's turning, firing over his shoulder. But, and that's when the shot was fired. So, you know, if you're an officer and you're chasing somebody, holding something in their hand that may be a taser or maybe looks like a handgun, do you have to wait until that taser impacts you or that bullet impacts you if they're firing? A gun? No, you don't have to wait until they get fully turned around and squared up to, give, to, to aim squarely at you. You do not have to wait until you potentially receive the uh, impact of whatever weapon they no, may the, be The holding. objective is not to be involved in a fair fight. No, it's not. You're, the objective is to survive and to, uh, and, and to, and to avoid the, the situation getting even worse. You know, you, you even hear this in the context of somebody being armed or not armed, okay? Well, is he shot an unarmed person? Well, there's a myth that unarmed people can't pose lethal threats, uh, and that's not true either. Officers don't have to wait until their skull gets cracked in the into the pavement uh, before they can use deadly weapons. Okay, it just that's not in there. That's not the law, and uh, it is one factor. I'll grant that, but the the law says you have to look at the totality of the circumstances, not just one little aspect of it. So, shot placement may be one circumstance, but you have to look at the totality of the circumstances. And I think if somebody's running away armed and they turn to fire at you over their shoulder, whether it's with a taser or anything else, I think that officers who are running 
um, are you know they're trained to aim for center mass and uh, and do what they need to do to make sure their shot placement is accurate. So I, I think more is being made out of that than needs to be. But that's just my opinion. But I've, I've heard others, including uh, Speaker Ralston yesterday on a TV interview after after mine, right after me, in, that, in fact, saying the same thing, saying he was disturbed by that. The mayor has said there she's disturbed by it. But, you know, these are people who, uh, I, to my knowledge, aren't trained in law enforcement uh, tactics. They're not, they have never received any police training, and I, I don't know um, really the foundation for those opinions. But, of course, um, that is something that is apparently is a widespread belief with respect to this shooting. I don't share it. I consider that aspect of it being just one factor out of many. Now, Phil Holloway, just about a, I don't know, a minute and a half left here, so I'll let you go with this one, and we'll stipulate. There's a lot we don't know. I love to say that, that, that these videos can be compelling. They aren't always conclusive, and I think uh, that's probably going to end up being the case here. There are things we don't yet know. That said, and yet again, you, you've played both sides of this. You've been a prosecutor, been a defense lawyer. At this moment, based on what you know, if I said to you, you have to go to trial, which side do you want to be on here? Which side do you think, and I'm not asking you to predict. I'm just at which side do you think uh, has the better hand to play at this moment? Well, I'd like to be able to tell you that I trust judges and prosecutors and juries to do the right thing, but I don't. Uh, quite frankly, I always trust them. Uh, I don't necessarily trust prosecutors to make the right decision. And in, in the current environment in Fulton County, and to, if this case gets brought to trial and if, if there's a um, a jury that has to look at it, unless there's a, a change of venue, I don't know that I, I trust uh, a, a jury, because you don't ever, you never know who you're going to get on a jury, especially in, in in the current environment, with so many misbeliefs out there and and so many people prejudging these cases. I don't know that I I believe that anybody can get a fair shake right now. Uh, so again, Lee. Lee, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Phil Holloway. Uh, Phil Holloway, the podcast is sworn. Look out, uh, look out for it uh, as you find your podcast. You'll find this one especially compelling. Thanks for your insights this morning. Stay safe. We'll talk again soon. All right. Take care now. Thanks for having me. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.